Yes, hi, hello, and welcome inside a Tuesday edition of the program, Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Glad you're with us as always. Uh, in 40 minutes from now, we'll be joined by Gus Martin from the Star Press. Look forward to that conversation as we do each and every Tuesday on the program right here. Uh, Ball statements, basketball back in action tonight. Oakland City, their matchup, and they look to go to 3-0. and uh, This is a week where Ball State could get to uh, get to 4-0. and Again, I know that's looking ahead in a lot of ways, uh, but we'll dive in to a little bit of this matchup and uh, also the football team getting ready for Kent State coming back at Schumann Stadium Saturday. We'll dive into that as well with Gus coming up here in about 40 minutes or so. Colts well within the bye week and you know the bye week is such an interesting deal because look it, it's it's the um the balance between the um I, I, I guess do you want to keep playing or do you need a little bit of a break? And in my opinion, and we'll get to this a little bit later on, I think this Colts team needs a break. I really do. Uh, especially this offense to kind of get back on track. And um, I don't know if it benefits Jonathan Taylor to sit and uh, not not play because I think reps uh, are so valuable to him because we just haven't seen him get loose yet. And, uh, you know, the, the Colts offensive side of things has been very pedestrian at best. And uh, but I, I may, maybe it allows them to get, you know, a mindset refreshed. This doesn't feel like a football team this year that is really banged up. There haven't been – I mean, I know Zaire Franklin was out a couple of weeks ago. You won against Carolina when he was out. Um, but you haven't had super, super significant injuries um, other than the quarterback, of course, Nancy Richardson, uh, Gardner Minshew stepping in. Um, you know, you've, you've had guys in and out of the lineup, as you always will, but it doesn't feel like you've had the super significant injuries. So it begs the question – is it a good thing the Colts have the bye week right now? Um, and I think there could be a little bit of a back and forth on that as we go through the later portion of the show, and we'll dive into that conversation here in a little bit. So calls welcome at 765-729-3022. Yes, that is the number in which to reach us at Mark WMUN on Twitter as well. Ball State Cardinals have Oakland City coming up tonight at Warthen Arena. Um, I looked back um, – it has been at least 20 years since Ball State has gone 3-0 to begin their season. So um, they, they certainly, uh, the, the better of the two wins last week was against Old Dominion. Uh, the 73-68 win, we talked about it a lot yesterday. And uh, Oakland City, uh, the matchup coming up tonight. And this one uh, very much favored in Ball State's side of things. Let, let's just, um, that, that, that to make it clear. And we talked about it a little bit, and, and I want to go further into this, but the evolution um, of, of this team, uh, Jalen Anderson and what he did to score 29 on on Saturday was uh, magnificent. He was um, the go-to score in a lot of ways, and um, I, I remember after the game, I asked Coach Michael Lewis about his performance, and he said, you know, he reminded us of why we recruited him, and that, that's got to be a great feeling as a coach, right? Uh, you have a certain type of feel on a player, and they have one of those games where you say, 
all right, that's exactly why we recruited him. That's exactly why we felt like he would fit Ball State basketball. And um, it, it wasn't just, hey, he had a hot offensive day. They were, they were running him off screens late in the game when Old Dominion's defense started to key on him. He got to the rim. Um, I thought it was a very well within the offense 29 points, too. Um, One of the things that oftentimes when a player has it going, it's so easy to just start to force things. And what ends up being a great first half ends up being a struggle in the second half because you're like, oh, man, I got it going. I should touch the basketball every time, and I should shoot the basketball every time. And it's it's, it's a healthy balance because, yes, as a team, you want to feed the guy that is on fire. You want to feed the guy that is pacing your offense and especially the way that he had it going early. Um, I could get – I could understand – why you would want to keep shooting and, and kind of see what you got on that given night. But it never felt forced for uh, Jalen Anderson on Saturday. I thought it was very, very efficiently done. And uh, the numbers and the percentages would speak for that. 10 for 15 from the floor, 4 for 8 from 3, 5 for 8 from the free throw line. You're, you're going to like those splits. I mean, it's going to be hard to replicate that each and every game. But... The, the, the major questions about this basketball team had to do with the backcourt. Uh, they, they just did because uh, this is not um, a, a backcourt that's played a lot of basketball together. And, you know, Davion Bailey, I think underrated-wise, had some big shots at the end of that game. And, uh, look, you have a couple of non-conference games where you look at it and say, we really want to find out about ourselves in these basketball games. And tonight against Oakland City is more about Ball State than it is about Oakland City, just like it was a week ago today against Goshen. More about Ball State than it was, um, you know, their opponent. I mean, these are teams that they should likely handle, and especially coming off that old Dominion win, you'd feel even more so that way. But it's a way to get more players involved in the game and uh, Ball State went uh, 10 deep in the game on Saturday. Um, I think they went 12 deep on uh, a week ago today. So it'll allow them to, to likely have the opportunity to do that. So, uh, But I was just very impressed with Jalen Anderson. Um, and, you know, it allowed Bashir Jihad to just kind of flow within the game. He played 24 minutes, had impactful moments, of course, because you, you, you need that from him on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, but Jalen Anderson took the load. And, you know, um, if you remember last year, um, that team was such an interesting team because, you know, you had Demarius Jacobs, Jalen Sellers, Jerron Coleman, and uh, Peyton Sparks, Mickey Pearson, and Bashir Jihad. And it felt like Ball State had the ability offensively to lean on one of those guys each game. Like, they were so well-balanced that... It just felt like they didn't have to rely on, hey, this, you know, uh, Peyton Sparks is our first team all Mid American Conference selection. He's going to be great. And if he's not great, we're going to be in real trouble. It never felt that way last year with that team, right? Um, felt like Coleman could step up, Sellers could step up, Jacobs could step up, and Sparks could step up. Heck, uh, Jihad off the bench had, had some moments too. I mean, and, and so um, that was the beauty of that basketball team. And while with this particular team, it may be a little bit different 
But if you think about it in game number one, Bashir Jihad goes for 21. Uh, Mickey Pearson adds double figures, and uh, so did Jalen Anderson, so did Avion Bailey. But then the game against Old Dominion, Maybe where a team like Old Dominion says we're going to – first of all, uh, Bashir Jihad had two quick fouls. That certainly added to the pressure, but they were keying on – uh, Bashir, knowing that he's one of the more experienced guys coming back and, and, and certainly focused a lot on him. It allowed Jalen Anderson to get loose, and he did a great job of doing so, as we've mentioned before. But in, in two games, it's a small sample size, and we're going to learn more and more about this team as we go through the next couple of weeks. It, it shows the multiple sides to Ball State. Hey, Jalen Anderson was your leader in this particular game. And then on Tuesday, it was uh, Bashir and his 21 points and four rebounds. Like, um, that's what made this team so successful a year ago. Does it look like last year? No. But there's ways that it it can look that way. And if this team wants to compete in Mid-American Conference play, you, you, you have to have the multiple sides to you. And uh, that's why Ball State was such a tough cover last year, a a tough matchup for a lot of teams, specifically because, well, that's what you had to deal with. Um, uh, Five guys on the floor that could beat you at any given time. And so uh, it's really good to see that early on. And, you know, it's really good to see early on that the guard play is certainly responding to a challenge and um, liked the way that um, it's so easy for young guards or transfers or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, you have a brand new backcourt for the most part. And I just thought the flow of which they played, it's easier said than done. Like, oh, yeah, 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 you play within the flow of the offense. But they were they were patient but aggressive at the same time, which is a very important aspect of – your basketball team, that your guards, man, the, the nowadays, it's you, you got to play make for yourself, but you got to play make for others, and that's a hard balance and a hard line to follow. And I thought for the most part, Jalen Anderson and Davion Bailey did a did a great job. If there's one area. Uh, that Ball State probably needs to um, focus on because there, there was a little bit of this against Goshen, but definitely a little bit of this um, in the game on Saturday. Uh, what what uh, the analyst on uh, on the Ball State game, uh, Scott Bunnell, said with me, um, you got to prevent these pick sixes. Turnovers turning into transition opportunities the other way. And there were moments where Old Dominion's defense was um, not just getting steals, but getting out in transition. Now, um, as you head through this week with Oakland City and Evansville, I think the difference in who you're playing and the types of athletes uh, from Old Dominion to the teams you're going to face this week, certainly there's a difference there. But it is something I would imagine, you know, your turnovers are going to happen. And I would think, you know, you would say um, the, the 14 turnovers you had were too many. Uh, because I think you had seven in the Goshen game. Again, somewhere right in the middle. Like, if you're below double figures in turnovers, you feel pretty good about that. Um, but, you know, Jalen Anderson had four turnovers. Bashir Jihad had four turnovers. Mason Jones a couple. Um, it's it's going to happen, but um, it, too often – Old Dominion was able to convert on the other end by leading a fast break or getting a foul on the other end. And so 
if you do turn over the basketball, how you prevent some of those runouts. And, you know, they're going to happen in every single game, and it might sound like a nitpick, but it felt like it came in multiples on Saturday. And ultimately, um, I think the one thing that you're going to focus on for Ball State uh, for that game on um, on Saturday was the way you defended at the end of that basketball game. If anybody goes back and watches the conclusion of that game, the defensive stops that were made by Ball State in those critical moments were just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it was just it, it uh, small snippet of what this basketball team wants to be about. Last year, Kent State led the uh, the Mid-American Conference in defensive scoring, giving up 65 points per game. If you go back and look at Ball State's season last year and look at the games where they allowed 65 points or less, I think they were undefeated in like seven or eight games with that stretch. And, you know, I, I get the sense that Michael Lewis and the staff – feels like they can be one of the top teams defensively that with the group they have they might be able to win a lot of games with the way they play from an effort standpoint defensively and that's why I think it was so impactful in the game on Saturday as we kind of recapped it in the post game about you know defense was the story and how many times do you focus on a, de- a team defensive effort at the end of the game when you have an individual player in Jalen Anderson who dropped 29 points? It doesn't happen often, but that gives you an indication of what Ball State accomplished at the end of that basketball game and the way they were able to close. Like, you've, you've got to understand something about this. Like, I, I liken this to an NBA team. You know, the NBA regular season is what it is. We, we could get into that conversation a different day. But think about these teams that add big stars or add a bunch of role players. Like, I think the Los Angeles Lakers are going through this. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going through this. When you add a major piece and roles shift around and there's guys that are held over from the previous year and they have to step in different roles and, you know, Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo have to figure out how to play next to one another. Like, that takes a lot of time. It does. On both sides of the floor. In this day and age in college basketball, folks, when, you know, in Ball State's case, I think they had seven or eight newcomers, um, three or four true freshmen or five true freshmen, and then three transfers that are all playing in fairly significant minutes in game number two. And that's what you see from a defensive team effort because... You know the the one they they switch from a one three one to a uh, matchup man to man, you know defensive aspect, and the difference in those two and the chemistry it takes to be able to defend as a team. Coaches will tell you, you know um, that is that is tough to do, and the fact that Ball State was able to accomplish that in game number two with the 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 new roles and um, a lot of new players has to give you optimism for what they can be. I mean, if they perform like that in game number two, what's the potential of what they're going to look like in conference play? That is what stood out to me because the story of the offseason was what? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're replacing four or five starters. You've got guys uh, coming off the bench that are now starting. You've got five true freshmen. It was all the roster change. And... You want to see early signs of, okay, what is this team going to look like? And you got it. 
in a very positive aspect of of the way they were able to defend late in that basketball game. I, I just thought that that was impressive. Uh, I really do. I think that was incredibly, incredibly impressive, uh, the way they were able to defend at the end of the game and the way they were able to close the game together and make plays at the end of games knowing who was going to have the ball, who was going to make the decisions, how they were going to defend at the end of games. Those are all things, again, you know, um, may have come quicker for a team last year, even with a new head coach. You had uh, the majority of your guys back. This year, a lot of new. I think it ramps up how impressive that finish was because it's game number two. And maybe you can even make the argument game number one against a like opponent, a Mid-American Conference-like opponent, and you're able to perform and close the way you did at the end of that game. I thought it was brilliant. Really, really do. So Ball State in Oakland City tonight. That one is at Warthen Arena this evening. And uh, um, I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, again, how do you come off of a game where you just had success? Um, because oftentimes people talk about how do you come off of a game where you have a loss? No, I, I, I kind of want to see a game where you come off of a game of success and how you handle that success. You know what I mean? Like handling a game with success is not, is not easy. Um, it, handling success is actually um, more difficult than you might think, and so that'll be interesting. Uh, Ball State women's basketball has a matchup with Chicago State on the road. Uh, that game a 6 o'clock tip this evening, and uh, uh, Ball State women's basketball off to a 2-0 and start. Uh, I, I got to tell you, re- remember, um, there was a point last year where Ball State women's basketball and Ball State men's basketball combined home record was among the top three in the entire country. I think Duke women's basketball and men's basketball was one. I can't remember the others. Maybe it was Kansas. I I can't remember. But um, both of these teams have an opportunity to start 3-0 today, and both of these teams have a chance to be 4-0 by the time we hit this weekend or or after Saturday um, as well. I got to tell you – we may be in, in store for another one of those where, um, you know, the, the home record is, uh, is going to be pretty interesting. I'll tell you that much. Um, it, it really, really will. So uh, thanks to all those of you joining us today. we got a lot to get to. Gus Martin from the Star Press is going to join us when we come back. The age-old question of when a buy comes, is it good timing? Is it bad timing? And as it relates to the Indianapolis Colts and their bye week now, uh, they're in the midst of it. Did it come at a particularly good time? We'll uh, dissect that when we return. This is the power on a Tuesday here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. We're brought to you by Walls Furniture Mattress, Nebo, Rondi, Monsi, online, wallsfurniture.com. And when you stop in, 90% of what they have in the showroom for in stock for you, 48 hours or less. That's the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference, Nebo, Rondi, Monsi, and online at wallsfurniture.com. Calm. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday edition of the program. I'm in a good mood today, and I'll tell you exactly why, because sometimes I just give you a little glimpse inside my life. So I've been dealing with some knee pain uh, for the last, like, month, three three weeks. Actually, um, it happened 
right as I, um, you know, walked like five and a half, six miles all over the campus of Notre Dame. Remember, I was talking about how um, it was a blast. Um, you know, it, it was a good time. Um, but my knee didn't enjoy that. So it's been knee pain, knee pain, knee pain. And I just said, you know what, um, uh, over the last week, it's gotten a little bit better. So this morning I took a major gamble. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be stupid and run on it because I really hadn't run for three and a half, four weeks. And the people that know me will um, just think that that is absolutely incredibly ridiculous because I used to run seven days a week for a good couple of years. Didn't take a break. Always ran each and every day. Well, um, I got up early this morning out in the dark, got out for the run, and we completed it. And there was no knee pain. What a glorious day. That, now, now, if, if, if somebody can top my day, I, I would love to hear it because that's pretty good right there. I got to tell you. So anyway, that is a glimpse inside uh, the, the life of Mark Forster. 765-729-3022 if you want to reach us. That's the number to call. And also on Twitter at MarkWMUN. So... Here's the age-old question, right? Um, I, I kind of understand the, the basis of bye weeks. And I, I don't know if there's ever been a study done on this, like how teams respond after bye weeks and if they're beneficial for teams being able to heal players and get a little bit of rest. There really hasn't been any debate about taking them away necessarily. Uh, but I, I would love that evaluation because – you want the bye in the middle of the season in the regular season, but it almost feels like when you get the number one overall seed. Now, last year's a bad example because Kansas City went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. That um, it it's almost it almost takes you out of your rhythm in a lot of ways, right? Because if you're playing well, which I wouldn't necessarily argue the Colts are playing well, uh, but they're winning. You know, they've won a couple of games in a row, and now you take that break in the middle of your schedule. I feel like it's like anything, you know. Um, In any job, right, you take a week's worth of vacation. Doesn't it take you some time when you get back from vacation to kind of get back in the work mode? It almost maybe takes you a week to get back in that rhythm. Not that you're not being productive, but you just had a week where you just completely flipped your schedule. A lot of these players will go on a vacation, uh, take the family and head somewhere, um, and then they'll come back. And it's like, all right, so now we're five and five. Now we got to get serious again. It's it's a good thing, but it is also at the same time a wacky thing when, you know, for the first uh, 11, 12 weeks of the season, you've been doing everything the exact same. And then, oh, by the way, take a week break. And I would imagine it's it's not like they're just sitting around and going on a vacation like you and I do in the middle of our work schedule. But it takes you out of your rhythm. And I'm just kind of wondering. It's hard to read this team. Hard to read this Colts team because I don't necessarily feel like they take a bye week and magically Gardner Minshew's going to come back all refreshed. I don't necessarily think that. 
I don't necessarily think that Jonathan Taylor needs a break and needs a, needs a week off and he comes back and oh man he's Jonathan Taylor again like I just don't see it working that way and the method in the way the Colts are winning games right now is their defense is playing at a very consistent very solid level and it just kind of it makes you wonder like is this actually a good thing at the end of the day but I keep going back to it's not like the Colts are playing great it's not like the Colts are playing really really good football like if you were a team in the streak of winning four games in a row and boom you have your bye week I don't know Um, and, and it's weird because the San Francisco 49ers this past weekend had just come off their bye week and they go up to Jacksonville and pound the Jacksonville Jaguars so there's it's like mixed feelings on the bye week it's mixed kind of reporting in a lot of ways because I don't know if we know exactly how to feel about the bye week and again normally it's to get you know the bumps and bruises and guys healthy but as I mentioned previously it's not like this team is banged up in a in a large way um Anthony Richardson's not coming back maybe you can get Juju Brents back we haven't exactly heard an update on him he's the second round pick at cornerback and played uh, very minimal moments this season I mean get th- this is wild if you think about it this was a uh, four win team a year ago their first round draft pick so their fourth overall pick And then the fourth pick of the second round, which are basically like two first-round picks, those guys have played like a fourth or a fifth of the season. And this team is still 5-5. and Your top two draft picks, which obviously we know if you're bad enough to have to draft that high, you better hit on those draft picks and they better play. Well, Anthony Richardson out week four, week five, And Juju Brents didn't play in the first couple of games, played in the next two, and hasn't played since. And yet this team is still 5-5. If I were a coach with a resume like Shane Steichen, I I would probably put that on my resume. I I probably would. Yeah, I I probably would. Because that means... With this roster, you're doing a pretty nice job of managing all the things. And, look, your schedule is much to help with that because you were so bad last year that you got one of the weakest schedules in the NFL this year. So there's there's a little bit of back and forth on that, but it, it, it does, I guess, stir conversation in that regard, I guess. And so, um, yeah, it, I, I kind of was thinking about that today, and I'm like, is this really a good thing for the Colts, or is it not? And I'm, I'm kind of right in the middle. So at the end of the day, look, use the time that you need, and maybe it does refresh the offense because clearly over the last couple of weeks uh, they played their worst on the offensive side of the football. Uh, there, there, there's zero question about that. They, they've played uh, really bad offensive football. So... Um, maybe it allows them to go back to the drawing board and figure out with this particular personnel what makes them successful because I just don't see them winning a lot of games playing like this because you're not going to play the Patriots and the Panthers, two of the worst teams in the NFL each and every week. You've got Houston, you've got Cincinnati, you've got the Raiders, you've got teams that, look, they're not the best of the best, but they certainly should beat you in a lot of ways if you play the way you did. So anyway, all right, we'll take a break, come back, talk more about this after the break. Power Talk about CWMUN. 
All right, welcome back into the show. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, as always, brought to you by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing, your visitor to protect your family. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call Pete Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. Glad you're with us in the show, as you always are. And um, uh, I want to mention this. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, and we'll continue to promote the fact that high school basketball starts a week from today. And our full schedule still a little bit in the works, but we have a lot of exciting new uh, matchups, tournaments, and looking forward to a wonderful basketball season coming up. Our broadcast calendar starts for basketball starting a week from today when Wapahani visits the Muncie Central Bearcats at the North Walnut Street Fieldhouse. Our anticipation is to have that game on uh, on video only, and we'll uh, promote the fact that that's coming um, as we head throughout the rest of the week and early next week as well. But wanted to give you an indication on that. But um, as it stands right now, that looks like it'll be the only high school basketball game coming up next week, and then the schedule will really kick in the gear as we um, head to uh, December. Which anybody feel this way? Like the reference that. Thanksgiving is next week. Just absolutely wild at how quickly things have uh, kicked off and uh, moved very quickly in 2023. But I guess we're in that position uh, to see all that happen. So whatever the case may be, here we go. Uh, we're, we're, we're on to uh, 2024 very, very soon. Uh, but we will be releasing that schedule a little bit later this week and give you an idea of what to expect with a lot of different things. Um uh, and and give you some perspective on all of it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, there, there's I, what what I like about it is every single year there's a new twist to the schedule, and this year there is uh, a couple um, tur- of tournaments that I'm particularly excited about because I think listeners will be excited about it as well, and we'll have some of those uh, be on video and on radio uh, for for all of those. So um, I feel like this year our coverage is even enhanced, if you will, uh, because of the number of games and the matchups and all those different things. And I think we have uh, some teams in this area that are going to make uh, some noise. I uh, really, really do. We know what Delta was able to accomplish last year. Uh, Wapahani was able to accomplish last year as well. Uh, there's some other teams that uh, want their spot at that table as well, and we'll, we'll certainly see them as the season progresses along. So just an update on that. We'll get more details to you as soon as as we have them. Uh, when we come back, we'll close up a Tuesday show, as we always do. Gus Martin from the Star Press. A lot to unpack from men's basketball to football to much, much more. We'll do that on the other side of this break. This is the Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Yes, back for a final time on the program. Tuesday edition power. Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN is always brought to you by State Farm agent Jason May. Make sure you're getting all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. It's a Tuesday. You know what that means. Glad to be joined by Gus Martin from the Star Press. Uh, You got nothing going on, right? Crossover season. Just sit back. Nothing going on, right? 
Yeah, I just sit on my couch all day and do absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm surprised they even keep paying me. I was, was going to say, there's a lot of lot of good happening. Um, I, I want to go back to Saturday because uh, Ball State men's basketball, the big win over Old Dominion. Um, I was there. You were there. What what stood out the most to you? I, I My biggest takeaway was that the team is tough. Um, you know, I, I, that was easily a game that could have got away from them. Um, with the opponent's athleticism, which was, you know, much more than Ball State has right now. And, you know, even after a hot start, you know, they cooled off. Um, Old Dominion seemed to have found their rhythm, and it could have fallen off the rails and they could have lost pretty easily. But the team really hung in there, stayed focused, punched back, made some clutch shots, hit their free throws, big rebounds. I, I just thought that was a really great sign for just, you know, what the mental makeup of the team is um, and what really – you know, the intangibles are moving forward because those are the things that kind of, you know, how you eke out those close games. Yeah, and um, I, especially impressed with the way they defended late. Um, Michael Lewis has talked about this basketball team, and um, if they if, if, if they you know really want to compete, um, you know, feel good about the offense, but really defensively is what he focuses on, which is no surprise to anybody because uh, that's Michael Lewis and his style, right? Yeah, and, you know, they were mixing up zone um, to kind of throw off um, some of their guys that were just kind of, you know, getting into the paint pretty easily, you know, with their athleticism that they had. And, um, you know, also another thing that just was really impressive is, you know, they're a young team. They're missing a key veteran guy, um, another young guy who had talent, had just come back from injury, and another one, um, Zane, was, you know, limited playing time with, you know, still coming back from his foot surgery. And yet they were able to play – defense in different ways and be successful and have the offense be a style that they don't even want to play like I, after the game coach said you know they normally would like to run run an up and down kind of game with their guys but they wanted to turn it into a half court um, match against ODU and they only had one fast break point and still were able to win which I thought you know for a young team still finding its footing was really impressive. It's Gus Martin from the Star Press what do you expect in this game tonight uh, to kind of continue that momentum for Ball State against Oakland City? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know much about Oakland City. I think they're NAIA, right? So, um, I mean, I, I think this should be a little bit more of like game one for Ball State, a, a much better opportunity for some of the young guys, some of the bench pieces to come in and um, show what they're capable of, maybe earn some trust, earn some minutes. Um, you know, I think offensively, you, you kind of want to see them look a little bit more cohesive, have a little bit more identity because there were definitely times against Old Dominion where. You know, it was really clunky, not really getting good shots off, a couple of shot clock violations. So um, I think you're just kind of looking for, for those kind of execution types of things. Also just curious to see what young guys uh, make an impression. Um, before we talk about football, Ball State women's basketball also in action tonight, an opportunity to go to 3-0. and We know the marquee game that they have next week. But, um, man, um, it, 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 this could be a historic year for them um, based on the way they've started. Uh, and, and, obviously, they, they've got high goals. There, there's no question about it. What, what has impressed you most about their start and what's coming up here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, once again, you know, after last year's great season, they're, again, really formidable. And, you know, so far I would say they're a little bit more balanced than last year. Um, last year really reliant on Anna Clefines, um, I guess heroic sometimes, and um, didn't necessarily have everyone else always clicking together. This year they seem to be spreading the ball a little bit more. Um, more girls can shoot threes at a high clip. Um, they have, you know, obviously Nyla Hanson's a really good defender, but also a secondary ball handler and passer to kind of relieve some pressure off Allie Becky. 
Um, and they got another trio of frontline players who are really, really effective depending on matchups. They 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 can do a lot a lot of different things to to win a ball game, and I'm really excited to see how it all gels together throughout the, the first couple of months because it seems like they're already kind of maybe ahead of schedule team chemistry-wise. Yeah, both teams have an opportunity to go to 3-0 and tonight. That's the men's basketball team and the uh, women's basketball team. And if you look ahead to Saturday, same deal. They, they could all they could both go to 4-0, which um, um, I was looking back on Ball State men's side. Um, I haven't seen it here in the last 20 years. Um, so I think it goes back to the 90s maybe when that uh, last occurred for Ball State men's basketball. Um over to the football side, uh, two games to finish. Uh, what a thrilling win. We talked to you before the game on Tuesday. Uh, a thrilling win against Northern Illinois. Um, man, what, what, what a performance by Ball State. Um, you know, what, what has stood out the most, I guess, uh, as they had a little bit of another mini bye week in a way, uh, the, the matchup coming up with Kent State, what, what, what they're going to get accomplished in the 11-12 day layoff they had? Yeah, well, you know, we talked to um, you know Mike New and a couple of players yesterday at the press conference back on a normal Monday schedule. Um, you know, he said first and foremost it was a good opportunity for them to kind of just rest their buys a little bit because they had that short week. You know, after the first midweek matching game, where it was only six days in between the, the NIU matchup, so uh, definitely a good opportunity just to kind of get get a little rest here, a little reset, come back home after that long bus ride. So I think that's what he said first and foremost was. Uh, secondly. Um, you know, I, I, just having good vibes um, heading into workouts, heading into practice, I think is really strong for this, these final two home games. Just because you don't you don't want to kind of end the season on a down note. You don't want to have this long layoff with the bad taste in your mouth of, of a second straight loss on the road. So, um, I think that's just positive for team morale. You know, when you're a losing team, you kind of need those little things to cling on to. And I think um, this is a really good momentum for them to, you know, finish strong. We've talked a lot about Kyle Kelly and uh, what he brings to the running game. But what was seen by, by fans late in that football game against Northern Illinois is how Ball State's kind of bringing him along to get a little bit more confidence in him as a thrower and giving him more opportunities as a thrower. The, the, that's the better way to say it. Um, you know, what, what do you expect the final couple games uh, based on how we've seen him continue to increase his attempts and uh, I guess the, the, the packages uh, of different plays, they're giving more to him or maybe that was just by coincidence in that game, but it feels like a stair-step method to get him more comfortable in the pocket as a passer. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of asked uh, Coach New about the evolution of their RPO scheme um, over the last month or so, just because it is something that they didn't do full time. I don't believe in any other season he's been the head coach. Um, and he said it's really just about what Kyle was kind of comfortable doing. And they're figuring that out, you know, kind of as everyone else is. Um, this last week, you know, it also part of it is how much the defense is playing the run because obviously it's an option kind of play. Um, and Kyle, I think, maybe is a little bit more comfortable in pulling the trigger to a pass. I remember there was there was one sequence I think he found Ahmad Edwards on like a quick little deep slant um, that really kind of gashed the defense for uh, double-digit yards. And that's the kind of thing that if they can do that repeatedly, it's going to make them much harder to defend because what are you going to do, commit to the run um, right. and allow that first down? Or are you going to take that away and allow Kyle or, or Marquez to, to, to run for, for a long game? So um, they're getting more comfortable with that clearly. Um, they look more cohesive, and I think against Kent State specifically, who has done really well against the run compared to the past, this could be an opportunity where maybe you know he gets 
a career high passing yards um, if they they play to their capabilities. Well, and defensively right now, I think that they can maybe allow the uh, ability to progress more offensively because they just trust this defense so much and the way they're playing, the consistency in which they're playing. Um, you know, if, if if you can just say going into each game, hey, the most points we're going to give up is like 24 points. Um, every single team would take that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of a – you, you got to think about what – the season and what the defense could have really accomplished if it didn't have so many injuries, I guess, in the early and middle parts of the season. I think now they're, they're, they're pretty healthy. Um, I don't believe anyone's gone down, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, early on they were really banged up. Guys were missing. Um, guys were dealing with different stuff. And I think that really just kind of hurt their overall communication. And, you know, that's why guys were running wide open down the field or two guys would go to the same person and leave someone streaking up the seam. Um, but they really kind of cut a lot of that stuff out. And like last game, when they were able to generate three turnovers, I mean, that's going to give you a terrific chance to win. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're really clicking on all cylinders. Um, they're fun defense to, to watch. Um, and they've come up with a lot of clutch stops, too, um, once teams kind of get in scoring position. Kent State, one of the underperforming teams in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, a real opportunity, really, for Bowl State to kind of be the favorite um, and a team um, that, once again, style-wise, playing from ahead is going to go a long way in this football game. What stands out to you about the matchup Saturday? Yeah, so like I said, um, the, I think this is a good opportunity to potentially have a little bit more passing attack um, for Ball State, um, depending on what the weather is. I don't think I've checked the forecast. I don't recall it being too bad. Um, but, yeah, that could be exciting. You know, I've been kind of tweeting and calling for Tanner Koziel to get more involved early. Um, I believe there was a 10-quarter catchless streak for him where he only got like maybe one or two targets. To me, that can't happen. And then when he finally got going in the fourth quarter against NIU, like he caught a touchdown, it proved to be the game, um, you know, tying one, I believe. So they got to get him going. Uh, maybe hit a big play with Magwood or Gilly. I want to see some different type of passes in the offense. Um, and then defensively, uh, Kent State, I think they're playing a new quarterback. So maybe that could um, provide just a different kind of look, um, not as much tape on him. But um, I don't foresee their offense being overly formidable. Right now, Saturday looks like 50 degrees in Muncie, uh, sunny, and 6% chance of rain. So um, I think it's going to be a nice, uh, nice, cool November day. There you go. Sounds like good football weather to me. Yeah, sounds good to me. Hey, thanks, my friend. That's Gus Martin from the Star Press. Appreciate it. Have a good week. I appreciate you, too. That's uh, Gus Martin from the Star Press. As always, phenomenal. Yeah, that would be a nice day on Saturday at Schumann Stadium. Get on out there. Come on now. All right, uh, we are back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place, 4 o'clock, right here on the Talk of Monty, the new WMUN. You have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.